Chapter Four of A Dash for a Throne by Arthur W. Marchmont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Four. You are head of the house now. My chief feeling as I rose to receive the prince's daughter was a sort of shamefaced regret that I had allowed myself to be hurried into a position which made it necessary for me to mislead her. I meant her nothing but good. I had been brought to the castle all against my will. I had stayed there largely in order that I might be the means of saving her from danger, and everything I heard only served to increase that danger in my view. Yet the fact of the deception I was practising hampered and embarrassed me in her presence. She was garbed now in the deepest black, was pale and hollow-eyed, and trembling under the stress of her new sudden sorrow and she seemed so frail and fragile that my heart ached for her while my senses were thrilled by her exquisite beauty and by a strange subtle influence which her presence exercised upon me my pulses beat fast with a tumultuous desire to help her in her helplessness never indeed had woman moved me like this she paused a moment on the threshold her hand on the arm of an elderly lady who accompanied her and her large blue eyes rested on my face searching reading and appealing as i hastened across the room toward her her scrutiny appeared to give her confidence for she withdrew her hand from the companion's arm and held it out to greet me i felt i must come to bid you welcome cousin she said in a low sweet voice that trembled you are welcome very welcome i took the hand and raised it to my lips you should not have distressed yourself to come i should have understood i answered i felt that i must see you she said very graciously and i remembering what i had seen in the garden and all that von krugen had told me knew well enough the doubts and fears anxieties and hopes that might lie behind the words i wrecked my brain for some sentence that would convey some assurance of my wish to serve her but i could find no words that pleased me and after a pause that to me was awkward enough she added you are now my only relative in the world except my dear aunt here the baroness Graz the old lady made a very stately and ceremonious bow which i returned with such courtesy as i could command a great heritage has come to you sir and a trust that must test to the utmost one so young in years she said my one life purpose shall be to prove worthy of it i answered earnestly 
and i thought the girl's eyes lightened a little at the words we were alarmed sir when we heard that you were unwilling to come said the baroness i am here madam to remove that alarm the future fortunes of this noble house rest largely in your hands as well as those of this sweet child you know that she asked in reply i know little as yet but in all i shall strive earnestly to win the confidence of you both you will have mine cousin said the girl impulsively and almost eagerly as it seemed to me and at the earliest moment i wish to tell you all that is in my thoughts and ask your help you will never ask that in vain believe me i returned raising my eyes to hers which had all the time been fixed on my face i do believe you i am sure of you she cried again impulsively and i could have blessed her for the words and oh i am so glad you have come there is so much to change and set right minna said the aunt in a gently warning tone i am with friends and i can speak freely i feel it i am sure we shall be friends cousin shall we not and you will be on my side at this captain von krugen who had remained at the other end of the room took two or three steps forward as if to speak but the baroness interposed and after a warning glance at him whispered to the girl we have not come for this now child the captain will be my friend too whatever happens i am confident said the girl looking toward him even if i will not go forward with a scheme that must die the words distressed her and she caught her breath and her lips faltered so that she could not finish the sentence she sighed deeply and turned to lean on her companion's arm you must not distress yourself minna said the baroness gently a rather long trying pause followed during which the countess minna appeared to be struggling to regain her self-composure and at the close she said sadly and listlessly and yet with a great effort to speak firmly i did not come to speak of these things now but to ask you cousin to do all that has to be done at this time of-of sorrow you are the head of the house now and i trust you will use the authority until you desire otherwise i answered you may depend upon me absolutely that is my wish cousin and when i can trust myself we will have a long conference she gave me her hand and i was in the act of putting it once more to my lips when hurried steps approached and the count von nauheim entered the room hastily i felt the girl's fingers start and involuntarily they closed on mine in a little trembling gesture of half agitation and fear the touch thrilled me i am surprised to find you here minna he said brusquely i think baroness it would have been more seemly if minna had kept in her apartments 
the old lady was more afraid of him than minna herself i could see and she murmured some half incoherent excuses i see no wrong in coming here to welcome the head of the house said the girl trying to appear firm head of the house he cried with a sneer you are the head of the house and as your affianced husband it is for me to say what is necessary in these matters of courtesy i have already seen herr von fromberg to welcome him as you say nothing more was necessary let me give you my arm to take you to my apartments come she hesitated an instant and seemed as if about to refuse but then changed and placed the tips of her fingers on his arm and as she did so turned and bowed to me with a smile on her sweet sad pale face i shall see you cousin hans soon as i said just now in the meantime i rely upon you to order all such arrangements as you think best as your position here now requires this gentleman need not trouble himself said the man frowning heavily and angrily i have given all necessary instructions i will do what you wish i said to her ignoring him entirely i kept out of sight my rage at his conduct until the three had left the room and then forgetting that i was not alone i vented it in a heavy bitter oath and turned to find von krugen's keen dark eyes fixed upon me i was annoyed to have thus bared my feelings to his quick gaze i did not wish him to know that i suspected or even disliked the count but he had seen it already he would try to overrule even the prince himself in the latter time and he takes interference very ill he will ride rough-shot all over us if he can ah you do not like him i answered but there is no room for dissensions among ourselves let it go no farther have you any commands to give your highness if i am to take them from him i am to leave the castle this was intended to see if i should exercise my authority you will not leave captain von krugen i replied promptly heaven knows there's too much need of a faithful friend at such a juncture he bowed and his eyes lighted with pleasure at my words and now i added we will discuss together what has to be done and try to settle the arrangements there were of course many arrangements to be made and the consultation occupied a long time as a result i issued a number of directions such as seemed best including those for the funeral which i fixed for three days later then i had to consider my own matters and to mature a plan which i had formed after my interview with countess minna i felt that i could not continue the deception in regard to myself and i resolved that i would use the interval before the funeral to try and find the real von fromberg and bring him to the castle 
to take his own position i would come with him and by using the knowledge i possessed help him in a task which if he had a spark of honour in his nature he could not but undertake the next day i took the captain so far into my confidence as to tell him there was an urgent private matter to which i was compelled to attend and that i must return to hamnel for that purpose i told him to keep the fact of my absence as secret as possible saying merely that i was out riding or walking and that i would return soon if the countess asked for me he was in confidence to tell her the truth and to assure her that in any event i should be back before the day of the funeral moreover he was to keep a most vigilant watch over everything and everybody and if my presence was urgently needed to telegraph to me to hamnel but to no one was he to give that address i started early and the same evening arrived at hamnel but failed to find von fromberg either in his own name or in mine and then i hurried on to charm there i caught him at the house of the comte de charm whose daughter angele he was to marry at first he was like an emotional girl he rushed into the room and would have embraced me had i not prevented him while he loaded me with thanks and praise for having helped him to get free from his uncle by not declaring myself while with all this he was profuse and gushingly voluble with his apologies he acted like an hysterical fool bubbling over with silly laughter one moment and shedding equally silly tears in the next he was ridiculously light-spirited and happy until his fantastic hilarity angered me he appeared to think that as he had become a frenchman he ought to behave as a sort of feather-headed clown his one consuming wish was that i should see angele the girl was the one object in his mental outlook at that moment and everything else was all out of perspective it was a long time before i could make him understand that a much more serious matter than his love farce had brought me to charme and even while i compelled him to listen to the position of affairs at the castle and the plight of his cousin there i could see that his thoughts were away out of the room with his angele i am sorry for her poor soul i am sure i would have every one happy at a time like this but i suppose it will be all settled somehow and some day he said at the close in a tone which made me fully realize that he considered it no business of his there is a train that starts from charm in an hour and a half said i thinking it best to assume that he would go back with me we can catch by that a fairly good connection at strasbourg and can reach the castle to-morrow you are going back then he queried i think i can be of help to you how can you be of help to me if you are going there you will wish of course to hasten to the castle to save the honour of your family and of your cousin my family is here 
my home is france i am no longer a german i have made the declaration to become naturalized do you think i would leave angele on almost the eve of my wedding-day to-morrow we shall be man and wife shall i instead then go to look after the affairs of a dead old man who never worried himself the paring of a nail about me until he thought i could be of use to him what do you suppose angele's father would say pouf i can hear him very well monsieur go away attend to these people these germans leave my daughter show yourself more german than french and give the lie to your protestations pretend to become a frenchman one moment and the next recognize the claim of your fatherland and your german blood and kinship go by all means but do not return never set eyes on angele again eh do you think i could do that and he threw up his hands shoulders and eyebrows in a perfect ecstasy of repudiation of the mere idea a helpless young girl your only kin in the world is waiting there dependent upon your assistance you are now the head of that great family whose honour and future are now threatened and the entire fortunes of your noble house are at a crisis which make it imperative in all honour that you should assume the responsibilities of the position and is there not a helpless girl here who will depend upon me am i not here taking the headship of a noble family with this difference that i was not forgotten and ignored until i became necessary as a prop for a tottering wall would honour think you have nothing to say against my desertion of this family in the way you suggest no no my friend these people have appealed to your sentimental side my place is here and here i stop from that resolve no pleas reproaches arguments or goads could move him nothing should make him budge from angele and he viewed everything from that one new standpoint if you are eager to free my family from the mess their affairs have got into take my place go back and do it you may claim by right all there is to be got for certainly i could not help if i would if he who was all his life at this work could not keep his house from falling his son from being killed and his daughter from danger what can i hope to do i a student who have lived three-quarters of my life in france who loathe a military life and know absolutely nothing of the intricacies of diplomatic intrigue you say you could help me i don't know how but if you could what is the gain for me my uncle is dead and leaves me nothing but a mess of intrigue and danger my cousin is engaged and therefore will marry and what is her husband to me surely you are not dead to the demands of honour i cried but against the wall of his selfishness the sea would have broken itself in vain how do i serve my honour by forsaking angele no no i tell you i have ceased to be a german i have renounced my family and shall live under a new name i am a student this is work for men like you go and do it 
i am rendering that girl a far greater service by sending you than by going myself it was useless to argue with him he was hopelessly callous and i sat biting my lips in anxious thought when they know i have become a frenchman do you think they will accept help at my hands will they welcome my french wife or my new family should i wreck my own happiness to enable them to insult me and all that are now dear to me am i a fool i will do what i can but not that if my cousin should need a home she shall have as comfortable a one as my means will provide but they must not claim me as one of their own kin that is all they are not likely to make any claim of the kind on you i said and the bitter contempt i felt for him came out in my tone he winced and flushed and for a moment was stung to anger but it passed you think poorly of me because i have decided matters thus as you will we shall not meet again probably i shall never again cross the frontier to show you my decision is no mere whim but a deliberately chosen course here i have a duly drawn-up declaration renouncing my heirship i drew it of course before i knew the prince's death and i declined absolutely his proposals and announced my intention to change my name and become a frenchman i was going to have this attested before a notary and then send it to my uncle but you can take it as it is if you like i will make my sworn declaration at any time it is desired do just what you will and this i swear to you i will never breathe a word of what has passed unless you wish me to speak i owe you that for having brought you into the mess i took the paper and rose to leave i will take means to let you know what is done here i suppose i spoke curtly for i felt strongly i do not wish to hear anything a letter here will find me of course but my name for the future will be henri frombe hans von fromberg will have ceased to exist unless you are he so indifferent was he to the critical seriousness of the affair that he laughed as he said this and added after all then you will not see angele i am grieved at that and he held out his hand i cannot take your hand monsieur frombe i said sternly i remain a german your desertion of your family at such a juncture of need makes any friendly feeling toward you impossible on my part you hold that any man can lightly renounce his family and country i do not i take the strongest view of your conduct france profits little by her newest citizen and the fatherland gains by the loss of so self-satisfied a renegade i trust that we shall not meet again he was a coward and shrank and paled under the lash of my words but he made no attempt to resent them and i left him with a feeling of bitter contempt and disgust at his conduct 
during the whole of my long journey back to the castle i sat absorbed in close thought mapping out my plans recalling old memories and rousing my wits and energies for the task which fate had sent me and from which apparently i could not break away End of chapter four